As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. UVA football is the softest bunch of cream puffs, bow tie wearing, brie cheese eating, NASCAR wearing wussies I've ever seen in my life. I'm going to punch people from UVA right in the neck. They wear suits to games. <laughs> That's absurd. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Guys and Ties podcast. This is Dustin. It is about 1 o'clock on Sunday, and we are still crying about the Duke loss last night. And by we, I mean Rob and I, and Rob is here with me. Rob, how's it going? How are you doing? I'm all right, man. A lot to digest. There's uh-huh. a lot that happened last night. Yeah, and I, I, uh, I feel that I'm not sad so much as just like we left the game on the table and i wish that we had won because if we had won like it would have been huge for the program and everything Mm. it would have been huge for the program like not just internally but like nationally yeah like if you saw yesterday people still aren't ready to forget the umbc loss Mm -hmm. and then like you get a win versus duke then all of a sudden it's like yeah like that's right virginia is really good right and we're still really good but man it would have been great to win that i think i think my favorite quote after the game was kyle and he said at least it isn't march yeah. we have a long way to go and i agree with that and i think that we can learn a lot from this by we i mean the team can learn a lot mm-hmm. from this loss i think that the coaching staff can learn a lot i think the players individually can learn a lot from this loss and what they need to do going forward to make sure that we are in the best position to win at the end of the year mm-hmm um, and so we're going to talk about some of that stuff. But first, I just, Rob, what are your takeaways from the game? Like right after the game ended, like what what were you feeling? What was going on? I mean, I think we watched it together. We watched mm-hmm. the game with uh, us and some other friends. And we were obviously both angry. You know, no one, no one likes losing, mm-hmm. especially right afterwards, especially when you have a lot of chances. You know, when you go three for 17 from three, when you mm-hmm. miss six free throws including at least one front end of a one and one yeah you know there were chances to win but on the flip side there were chances for duke to win and mm-hmm. like really my main takeaway is you know not to become espn 2.0 but like good god like zion williamson is incredible and rj barrett's pretty incredible too i mean they it, was, took, it was a crazy game they took over the game and i i don't want this to become like a love fest for zion and yeah. rj but I mean, they they exposed our defense. They exposed Kyle and Ty. Um, Braxton Key fell over at one point. Yeah, I mean, Z- he can move on Zion's breakaway dunk where he got fouled by Jay Sports Center they, number one. There were way. four people around him: Jay, Kihei, Kyle, and Ty. They were all 
like they made a circle around him and he still um shook them off mm-hmm. and just you know i don't really i don't want to talk about it but <laughs> i think that my main takeaway was that we do have a long way to go this is not march and so i think that a lot of uva fans are realizing okay we lost to probably the best team in the country yeah i feel safe saying that on the on their home court mm-hmm. by two that's not bad and we played a pretty good game considering some of the things that duke was doing and we're going to get into that later but yeah i think i think we should just jump right into it what do you think Rob? yeah yeah i mean let's do it so you know uva had four players scoring double digits deandre hunter had 18 kyle guy had 14 ty jerome had 14 and braxton key had 11 so you know, we were doing all right. Our scores were scoring, and Braxton Key kind of provided that lift that, you know, we've generally had one person outside of the top three guys provide a game. So we got that. But, you know, Duke shot 63% in the second half. And, like, it's just hard to stop. And the whole idea of the pack line, we talk about this a lot, is just to clog the lane and force people to beat you from the outside because that's where the percentages are. Mm-hmm. But that didn't really matter against Duke. You know, Duke scored 46 of their 72 points in the paint and you know uva uva scored 42 in the paint neither team shot well from three duke is not a good three-point shooting team uva normally is so that was an interesting the fact that neither team and i shot think, well and i think that was part of the probably the most disappointing part of the whole thing is that we missed so many probably three or four wide open threes in the second half mm-hmm. that you know kyle was missing them ty missed them braxton missed one mm-hmm. and i think that it was tough for me to swallow the fact that we had just had a, such a great game against Virginia Tech where yeah. we seemed to make everything that we threw up there and we couldn't save any of that for Duke. And it was just, you know, the feeling of we could have, could have, would have, should have mm-hmm. won that game. And just if the shots fall. And of course, if you don't make shots, you're not going to win the game. Yeah. But when you get into the X's and O's of it, you know, you look, you think back in the first half and you know i'm admittedly more of a football guy like i notice things better on the football field than i do on the basketball court mm-hmm. but you know duke put stuff out there that they hadn't put on film you know when they played us last night and it's something that i didn't really notice and truly appreciate until after the game but it makes sense when i look back at it you know there were some bad shots you know like some three-point shots from kyle guy like he can hit some crazy looking ones, but you know, there were some he was falling forward, some he was falling back, like, and none of them connected in the first half. And then you think, like, well, why, why aren't we so open? Why are we taking these? And then it really wasn't until I read that article after the game when I saw how Duke was playing our offense and how they switched, you know, one through five. And you, you can do that when you have a team that's super athletic, super long, you know, with guys like they have, you know, the potentially the three top picks in the NBA draft. And, they were switching and our guys didn't know how to handle it. And then in the second half, we kind of figured it out. We started playing less of the mover blocker and more of the, you know, just pick and rolls, switching, try to get the right matchups. And we were getting good looks and we, you know, executed in the paint, but we still couldn't hit from three. And that, you know, Duke played us in a way that they hadn't played anybody all season. And Tony Bennett even said he had never seen that on tape from Duke. The the article that Rob is referencing is coming from NBC Sports and we, uh, we retweeted it on on Twitter, so you can go look at it there. And does a great job of breaking down what Duke did specifically. And specifically, they they were switching every screen. Yeah. And so they switched one through five. And so a lot of times you're ending up with Marcus Bolden or Jevin Delorier on either Kyle or Ty or DeAndre. And in the first half, we weren't taking advantage of that because 
we were kind of like, oh, what's going on? Let's mm-hmm. let's pass the ball around more. But in the second half, uh, Tony made some really good adjustments and was able to get some switches that he wanted and just kind of played iso ball, which is not something that we do ever. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was, it was weird to see um, DeAndre basically just taking Marcus Bolden one on one with everyone else just kind of off to the side. Yeah, you know, so. That was weird. And the other weird thing is that Duke did a good job. And I think they did that because they wanted to run us off the three-point line. Because if you switch every screen, you're going to be able to play the three-point line really well. And mm-hmm. so Duke did a good job of taking away one of our strengths this season, which is shooting the three ball. Yeah. No, they did a great job of that. And they were able to do that because we weren't able to execute. Like the, We had guys open, but... There were some turnovers. I think we had eight turnovers, which mm-hmm. isn't a bad number alone, but some, you know, just came when they weren't really even turnovers. It was like you just see a guy open and you couldn't hit him. And, you know, it's it's frustrating sometimes. The other stat I want to point out real quick, and this goes with, you know, ISO ball is we only had eight assists last night. So we mm-hmm. had eight assists, eight turnovers. And, you know, that's not who we are generally we generally like to share the ball we pass it a lot mm-hmm. you know all these you see all these highlights of us in the tech game of just pass 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 yep. open three and this game if you look at the highlights it's going to be a lot of dre backing down someone ty taking someone off the dribble kyle taking someone off the dribble so there's a lot of you know things that we haven't seen before and i want to take this back to last year and the year before when we our offense was way more one dimensional mm-hmm. than it is this year. And if this has happened to us last year or the year before when when London was our point guard and we basically only shot threes and shot outside shots, mm-hmm. it wasn't gonna go well for us if people ran us off the three point line and we weren't hitting because we couldn't get the ball inside at all. This year's different because we are able and this game proved it that if people are going to be willing to switch with us and we can get the matchup that we want, DeAndre or Ty or Kyle or Braxton or Kihei took people off the dribble too. Mm-hmm. Jay had some really good plays in the, when he played in the first <laughs> half, right? You, you know, we are able to get these matchups that are great for us and we can play iso ball if it comes down mm-hmm. to it. Yeah, we can play with any team in the country. Yeah, and We know that. And Duke is so athletically unique and we didn't (laughs) i mean just they're one of a kind i've never seen like again i don't want this to be the zion williamson love show but i've never seen a player like him in college basketball he's he's incredible it's just like him like guarding kihei at one point but like he could still like generally keep up with him he just looks like a tank out there like anyway i I don't want this to turn into the zion williamson love show but that man is one of the most unique basketball players one of a kind that i've ever seen whenever i want to watch him more when he's not playing UVA because yeah. he is fun to that, watch. The UVA game honestly helped put it in perspective. Like yeah. you see all these other teams and like, like I watch more UVA basketball obviously than any other school. Mm-hmm. And just seeing him play out against UVA just kind of gives me this reference point of like, wow. I mean, like, I've, I've watched Duke play before, but Zion and RJ Barrett last night took over that game for yeah. Duke. They and put it in perspective. They, they were Duke. Yeah. They were Duke. And they had... They scored 80% of Duke's points. Yeah, they 57 had... 57 to 72, 80%. 57. Only three other players scored, and they combined for 15 points. Yeah. They had two players come off the bench who did not score at all. They rely heavily on those two people. And I was talking to Rob even before the game started last night, and I said, you know what? I think that Zion is going to get his today. 
And this is something that we've seen in the past with Virginia where if another team has a really good player, uh, usually a stretch four type of player, mm-hmm. like Jaron Blossom game, Marvin Bagley did this to us, Jason Tatum did this to us, where we just let them score a whole bunch of points and really hold everyone else in check. And that's kind of what happened, except it was with two people this time. It was with Zion and RJ. And we didn't have an answer for them. And as we said earlier, like, you know, the pack line is supposed to put them into the middle and then chew them up and spit them out. Mm -hmm. And then we get the ball. Yep. And that happened a couple times where, you know, Zion fell down a couple times. RJ uh, had only one turnover. But there were a couple times where we were able to do what we wanted to with them but usually like they have such great touch in the paint around the paint and great body control as well mm-hmm. i i don't know what to say they're incredible i also don't want to like be that guy that's like oh the refs but there were some calls i was like ah you know if that wasn't I mean, zion williamson maybe maybe and, they don't call that and that's the problem because he's so big and he's so strong and powerful that when you go up like he he chest bumped jack one time jack yeah. like fell backwards even though jack was standing up straight arms up straight they called a foul because jack was knocked back Mm -hmm. and it looked like he had you know not been in position yeah it it was a crazy game man it was a crazy game but it was also a really really good game it was back and forth and it was intense and i really enjoyed watching it i love watching this team big time college uva team like that's what it was like honestly it was it was big time college basketball and that's it's fun like I'd, I'd, I'm very excited mm-hmm. that we get to play Duke a second time. I am like, too. And, I and li- it's good for the sport. It's yeah. good for the conference. It's good for both programs. It's you great. Know, you know, a lot of people are saying that, well, I was talking to some um, people in Who Crew, and we talked to Andrew Benvenuto last week, and he's vice president. He was saying, and some of his friends were saying, that we they were, they're not thinking that they're going to get game day, college game day, for the Duke game at in Charlottesville. And I say, why not? Like, I don't know what other games are going on, not, but like I don't know how UVA Duke 2.0 is not game day again. Right, it should be. It's going to be the best game of that day. It's going to be great. The game day crew loves Charlottesville. Mm-hmm. You know, they always they love Duke. They love Duke as well. <laughs> Although, you know, to be fair, they all picked UVA to win last night. Uh, even though Jay Will wouldn't do his jersey thing out of no. respect for Duke, which I, I like, right, I'm man. fine with. All right, I'm fine with, but. Um, I think one reason why a lot of people thought UVA was going to win was because of the absence of Trey Jones last mm-hmm. night. And I want to talk about the absence of Trey Jones a little bit because what Duke does with Trey Jones is very different from what Duke does not do mm-hmm. or what Duke does do without Trey Jones. Yeah. No, I'm following. Yeah. I'm following. Oh, you got, you're picking up what I'm putting down. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't explain that very well. Anyway. They're a different team with Trey Jones on the floor. They are a different team. And I want to say that this is going to sound weird. I think we might have done better with Trey Jones on the floor. I, I get, think UVA would have had a better chance to win. I, I get that argument. Because otherwise, you don't have this whole new concept right? You know that Duke played with yeah. last night, especially and, defensively. And especially defensively. And Duke probably wouldn't have gone zone last night, too, which mm-hmm. kind of uh, freaked us out Although a little we bit. didn't take advantage of the zone. No. We had chances. We had open shots, but we didn't hit them. No, exactly. And I think that the other thing that Trey Jones does is it gives us an uh, the ability to put Kihei on him yeah. and to move other people around. 
Because if Trey Jones is in, Kihei can shut him down easy. Mm-hmm. Easy. But Kihei really had trouble last night guarding anyone else because they were all above 6'7". Mm-hmm. You know? It's, that's really difficult for someone when you when they're 10 inches taller than you yeah. to guard them. <laughs> and I was, I was half joking, half being serious that Kihei should have guarded Zion last night because anytime he would have been, like, touched by Zion, he would have just taken a charge. God, ESPN would have eaten that up one I, way or another. Yeah, and but I think... I think it's interesting because with Trey Jones, Duke would have been the Duke that we've seen all season, and there probably would not have been much difference. Mm-hmm. I don't know that for sure, but my guess is that K would have kept doing the same thing. Yeah. Now, we'll see if Trey Jones comes back uh, for the game in Charlottesville. You know, they're saying that his AC joint separation is not as bad as it originally was mm-hmm. thought, although it sounds pretty bad to me. I don't know how he could come back. I'm sure he'll be back. But they keep saying, like, oh, he was doubtful. But, like, it doesn't seem like he's out long term. Yeah. I'd be surprised if we don't see him in three Yeah, well, well, Kay said indefinitely, so we'll, we don't, who, who knows? knows what that means. <laughs> I also, I want to emphasize this. I don't want to be one of these woe is me, poor tech without Trey Jones. They're still playing with probably the top three players in the NBA draft on the floor. Yeah, yeah it was a different team. But, yeah, they're still incredible with or without Trey Jones. So I don't, I don't know if they're... I, are they better with Trey Jones? Is this one of those things where they're actually better <laughs> when when their best player is off the floor? I don't know. I don't know. Not the best player, but the most important player. Are the player. Eagles better with Nick Foles than Carson Wentz? Yes. Like, yes. I don't know, man. I Objectively, know. yes. I just want to say I got so tired of the entire week. Oh, but Duke doesn't have Trey Jones. I'm like, well, they also have everybody else. And, and it, four stars riding the bench who and K sh- refuses to play. And it showed. And, and it showed. And it showed because Zion and RJ decided to win the game for duke yeah and that was it and they they didn't need trey jones they didn't need someone to bring the ball up for them yeah no it's it's true but all right so let's i want to talk a little bit about some uva guys here and some performances and i think this is a great time to start our weekly jay huff segment because yes. there's a lot of intrigue jay huff only played seven minutes three in the first half after two quick fouls but like he had an impact four points in three minutes yeah he had an impact including you know, we saw that dunk he had when he first came to grounds, like where he dunked from the free throw mm-hmm. line. And like, that was kind of the most highlight reel thing we saw from him for two years. Mm-hmm. And then he came back and did pretty much the same thing against Duke. And I was just like, whoa. And he blocked Zion one time. Yeah. He had another dunk. Mm-hmm. Should Jay Huff have played more than seven minutes, Dustin? Yes. Yes, I, I, I think he should. He spaces the floor. He creates mismatch problems, especially when Duke is not playing uh, their big men, you know, Javin Delorier had was in foul trouble all night. He mm-hmm. had five fouls. That was his only stat of the yeah. night. And Marcus Bolden wasn't doing much either. He uh, he had four ended with the game with four fouls. He didn't foul out, but but it was clear that there were mismatches all over the floor because their bigs are not nearly as good as their guard play. Mm-hmm. And I think the problem with that is that w- when Jack Salt's in, you know, Jack Salt is probably our best defender arguably he sets the tone Mm -hmm. and he just tell he's a good communicator but what he doesn't have is the ability to keep up with zion or keep up with rj and jay doesn't either but jay swatted a couple balls as well um away from those two i think that jay would have changed the game a little bit because we were kind of in a rut Mm -hmm. you know in the second half of just doing iso ball iso ball iso ball and especially when they started playing zone, mm-hmm. um, I I wish Tony had played him more because because he's here. Jay Huff is here. He's yeah. ready to go. His confidence is here. 
you can see it when he plays. He, his defense is remarkably better hmm. than where it was at the beginning of the season. And he gets it. Like he, he I think he, he's got it at this point. Yeah. And let's not mince words. You know, Jack Salt played a bad game. Mamadi Diakite generally played a bad you game. You know, I, okay, I think Jack played fine. He, considering the task that he was put up to. I want offense on the floor. I want Jack Salt was never a threat to score. You know, he finished with five points. One was on a free throw. Uh, and then he was two for two on his field goals. But like it, what would happen is he'd get stuck, like trying to set a screen and he gets stuck with the ball out especially, beyond the arc. Especially because they're switching everything. Yeah. And when, when Jack, Jack likes to do this kind of pick and, and yeah. give thing. Uh, really the, just a, a handoff. It's a handoff. Yeah, a handoff. It's a handoff. <laughs> and so when he does that, it takes a, and they were switching everything. It, it was a couple times where he got trapped, and it was I don't know if he turned the ball over at all during that, uh, during those traps. But he had one turnover. I don't I don't know when that came. I don't either. But it it took a, it stopped the offense. It stalled. Mm-hmm. It's all the offense. It, it kept the breaking up the flow of the offense. So I don't know. I think Jay would have been a better solution. But of course, Jay could have been broken by. Zion, I, Jay yeah. Jay was dunked on by Zion. Yeah, I, like clearly we would have we were going to have matchup problems no matter what mm-hmm. who was on the floor, and so I think that maybe putting Jay in for a little bit longer, maybe running some stuff for him, mm-hmm. you know, maybe pick and pop, pick and roll, would have helped. Yeah, no, there was potential there. There was definitely more potential that could have that we could have used. And do you think he should have played more? Yeah, definitely. I think I think, I think Jay Huff could, should play 15 minutes a game, kind of regardless he, of match. I think he's going to start playing more. I think he should start playing more. And he's a guy that when we get into a game like this in the tournament, he's that spark. And you know, if mm-hmm. he can, you don't get better Insta by offense. Yeah, you don't get better by sitting on the bench. And like now is the time to figure things out. Like mm. if you're a two or th- three seed or a one seed, it doesn't really matter. You know, it'd be great to be a one seed again to get that east regional you know in dc yeah. selfishly since yeah. we're up in the dc area <laughs> but you know it doesn't really matter we've been one seeds in the tournament for so long now and it hasn't produced really the results we want like now is the time to figure things out and no you know we're gonna play against wake forest soon you know Tuesday. hopefully he'll get some run against them but you know i don't want to belabor this but i do think jay huff should have played more Another and, guy. Well, hold on. Or, I want, yeah, go, I, I want to talk about Jay Huff during the Tech game because Jay Huff. Yeah. I said this last week, Andrew. Um, if you're listening, you you're, the, be listening. you're the worst, <laughs> and because Andrew said that Jay Huff was not a good matchup for Tech, and I said false. You are wrong. <laughs> he is a perfect matchup for Virginia Tech because of what he brings on offense, and I was correct. Jay Huff had a great game against Virginia Tech on. Tuesday, mm-hmm. we played him on Tuesday, right? Yeah. And he had he he had only seven points, and he only played eleven minutes, but he created a spark. Yeah. In the first half, and he came in early. He played good defense. He only he had zero fouls, which three is great. Three from the field, two rebounds, and only eleven minutes. Yeah. And that was incredible because he did exactly what he needed to do. He played well, and he was not a liability. No, no, I. He should be playing 15 minutes game, yeah. if you ask me. Yeah, and he, he he's play. doing this very consistently, too. Like yeah. he does, There's been he, several games in a row now. Yeah. Uh, BC and Tech and... Clemson. Clemson as well, yeah. So I think he needs to start being in the main rotation. Yeah. It, it shouldn't just be like whenever we feel like it type of thing. Like it should be planned. It should be mm-hmm. deliberate. Jay Huff gets around 15 minutes a game. Yeah. That's my take. Okay. All right. Uh, another player I want to talk about, which 
you know, I feel bad kind of bringing this up because I don't want to criticize a freshman that's five foot nine and their first game in Cameron Indoor too much. But Kihei Clark was a little hesitant. I would have liked, just in general, I want to see him be a little more aggressive. Mm -hmm. You know, he had a couple, he missed a layup early, which, you know, it happens. I I yelled at the TV, I'm sure. But, you know, it happens. You did did yell at the TV. (laughs) And you yelled at the TV every other time he drove to the basket, too, because he was hesitant. He wasn't wasn't shooting anymore. He wasn't going for the shots. And, you know, it is what it is. But, like, there was one time where he could have had a layup, but he kicked it out. There was one time where he could have had a runner, but he kicked it out, you know. He he wasn't the difference in the game, and he played pretty well. You know, he it's not like he played poorly. He played 18 minutes, um, you know, but he's a guy that I wish could have played a little better. The one thing I want to point out is he had one assist, two turnovers, and that's not exactly what we want from our point guard. Now, to be fair, this is not a great matchup for him. And, yeah. you know, we always make fun of the matchup talk, <laughs> like, oh, it's not a good matchup. This is a great matchup. But... It was not a good matchup, especially with we already talked about this with, with Trey Jones out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kihei did not have anyone who he was really able to hang with. Okay, Duke did not play anyone who was under the height of six six. Mm-hmm. That is eight inches taller than him on paper. In reality, it's probably yeah. a greater difference. <laughs> um, and he was usually guarding either Alex O'Connell, who only played five minutes, or Cam Reddish. And I don't think he ever guarded. Zion or RJ Barrett. Mm-hmm. Um, although I would have liked him to. Because as I said, I think he could have been disruptive. Yeah. But that's neither here nor there. I think that this is another stepping stone in his career. You know, he's just getting his wrist back. Mm-hmm. This is a tough game for him. I think he played well considering all of that. Yeah. Yeah. I think But you're right. but still not great. Like not a great game from him. It- he just his confidence is still coming back and like he's definitely a fearless type of player mm-hmm. but like you know it, you just wish he was a little more aggressive and and he was beating them off the dribble too like oh he, yeah he was beating that's them. that's kind of why i'm bringing it up because yeah. the opportunities were there and he was yeah. creating those opportunities yeah and his one his one uh basket was actually a goaltending because it was he had a huge like high arc on yeah on his layup and i think it was zion probably came over and swatted yeah, it away i don't remember but yeah, I mean that's you're exactly right. You know, he was beating his man off the dribble and he was getting into the lane. And that's know? that's something that he's able to do with against bigger people, especially if, you know, we play a huge team like Duke. Mm-hmm. You, you know, he's going to be able to get those matches, but he's got to be willing to take them too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, just an observation on him. Yeah. And then No, I I agree and I don't I don't think that it's bad. Yeah. Another player I like really want to hit on is DeAndre Hunter, just because DeAndre Hunter really kept us in the game Mm -hmm. in that first half. You know, he scored 18 points, 11 of which came in the first half. And he was just doing incredible things. And, you know, he's he's so interesting to me because he doesn't really... He'll make those highlight reel type plays. Like, he had that awesome dunk. But Mm -hmm. so many of the times, his points are just kind of like... He'll do a quick little spin move and lay it in. Or get the board and lay it in. and like Or just, just, uh, you know, shoot shoot over someone. Yeah, like... Kyle Guys and Ty Jerome are really the ones providing like the highlight reel type of plays. Mm-hmm. And obviously he's super talented and incredible, you know, athletic talent. And but like when I, I finally saw for the first time, I feel like this season, the like future NBA player, DeAndre mm-hmm. Hunter, yeah. just because he was able to spread the floor more. He was getting more ISO matchups and he was taking advantage of them. And mm-hmm. like 
it was just kind of cool to see because like so we get so stuck sometimes in our mover blocker offense that mm. sometimes you know we know like Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome are great shooters and we know DeAndre Hunter's a great defender and athletically talented and all that but sometimes we don't get to see just kind of like oh yeah this is why NBA scouts really really like this guy yeah I mean he was able to do basically whatever he wanted against those future pros that Duke mm-hmm. has he was able to take him off the dribble he was shooting he didn't he he missed both of his threes he had one turnover, turnover, no assists, and three fouls. But he was playing good defense. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, as good as you can play against them. Yeah. He he was... Uh, he played 38 minutes, 38 too, minutes, the most on yeah. the team. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, there's going to be games like this where Tony's going to basically say, like, Dre, get, it's score. Score yeah. something <laughs> for us. And this was one of those games where, you know, the matchup was great for him. The, uh, they were getting the switches that they wanted, so Tony would have them switch until... You know, DeAndre had either Marcus Bolden or Jem Delorier on him. Jack mm-hmm. White, too, I think was a target. And they would just, he would just take him to the basket. And he, more than often than not, was able to do that. He was 8 of 12 from twos uh, that he shot. So he had a great game. He yeah. A great game. No, I mean, he was, he's a guy that I think is worth emphasizing and pointing that out. Yeah. Because, you know, we're, Last year, he was kind of the savior in the Duke game. You know, we don't win uh-huh. that game last year without DeAndre Hunter playing right. as well as he did. You know, right. matching up against Marvin Bagley a mm-hmm. lot of the time. And this year, you know, we were down five or six points at the half. I forget exactly. But we did not play. We were down five. Yeah. So, But we didn't really play all that well in the first half. You mm-hmm. know, second half, I think, even though we missed those open shots and, you know, it's frustrating. Just and, every time I'm shaking my head right now. Every time I think about it, it's just like God. We really could have won that game. And like, and yeah, it yeah. just it hurts. It and hurts. Defensively, hurts. they're a good team. You yeah. know, Duke is a great team. UVA is a great defensive team. Great team too. But it's and sorry, I want to go back to the hurt. It's not yeah. like a. It's not like a bad hurt. Like UMBC no. was a bad hurt. Yeah. No. Duke, I mean, that's like a, rip your soul out. This type is of stuff. This is a good hurt. It's like. Ah, we're, we we should be better. Yeah. Like we we should have won that game. Like I'm as excited as hell for like this next this next game against yeah. Duke. Like I want them again. This mm-hmm. isn't a game where I'm like scared of these guys. No, like we shouldn't be. No, but like, sorry, go on. I interrupted you. Oh no 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 no, it's all good. But uh, no, I mean, just DeAndre Hunter really kept us in that game in the mm-hmm. first half. And like, I don't think we're down only five points without DeAndre Hunter in yeah. that first half. No, no, I agree. Like. I don't know. I I don't know if we really want to take this anywhere else, but you know, I want to talk about one more guy. Okay, and his name is Ty Jerome. And Ty, you know, last year was kind of the save, along with DeAndre, was kind of the savior of that Duke game. He had that big shot mm-hmm. um, where he <laughs> fake passed, <laughs> yeah, to nobody, <laughs> to nobody, to the bench, and he played thirty five minutes. He had fourteen points. He was five of eight from twos. He was only one of five from three. Mm-hmm. And he had four assists, one turnover, two fouls, four rebounds. He played well on the offensive end. He was one of those guys who was able to take it off the dribble and score really at will mm-hmm. whenever he got the matchup that he wanted. But on the defensive end, and you and I talked about this a little bit last night, he was kind of a liability. He was exposed. And there were times where Zion and RJ and you know, also Jack White or Cam Reddish was able to drive by him and get what they wanted. And Ty really, um, there was a couple times where he, you know, didn't seem like he was able to stay in front of them. Mm-hmm. And I think that has a lot to do with, you know, who Duke has. Duke has these hyper athletic people uh, on their team. And Ty, you know, we, 
you know, he he's probably going to be drafted at some point in the NBA. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to say I'm not going to pretend that he's the most athletic person. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even like in the starting line, like he's not as athletic as other people. Yeah, he's a two guard in the NBA. He, he's not a point guard. No, and he he does a lot of stuff really really well. He's a great distributor. He's a great shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's other things that he's, and that's one thing that's going to hold him back in the NBA too and probably on draft night as well as his athleticism mm-hmm. and how how he can stay in front of people as well but you know he's smart and he does a lot of stuff well but duke's athleticism really got to him last night mm-hmm. and it was tough to see because and that was a, a lot of the reason why is they were able to get past someone and the help wouldn't get there on time too so it's not all ty's fault there's stuff about the defense that you know is supposed to help with that but at the same time it's always helpful if you can stop, <laughs> like be the first one to stop him. Well, that, that's just something I noticed. I had a really good game otherwise. Yeah. I mean, I would say he didn't have that kind of like mentality or confidence or whatever you want to call it. Like he just seemed a little off last night. He did chuck up a, a really long three and it just clanked off. Yeah. Like he just didn't have that same like mama mentality, if you will, like th- of like what we're used to seeing from him. And I think part of that was just like kind of getting exposed early on the defensive end. And, you know, he missed the front end of that one-and-one one mm-hmm. going into halftime. That would have mm-hmm. been great if we could have hit those. You know, he's generally a really good free-throw shooter. To miss that was a little disappointing. You know, he played better in the second half. You know, his kind of no-look pass for Jack Salt to that dunk. Beautiful. Like, that's, that's the type of stuff we're used to seeing from him. Yeah. It just took 30 minutes for it to come out. No, and, and Ty, Ty is the leader of this team, and he's going to be leading us. And so his his offensive output last night was great, and I think that— In the second half. He scored yeah. ten of his fourteen points in the second half. Mm-hmm. But the same, uh, all, all, all I'm getting at is that this is not this is not like a downfall for Ty Jerome. Oh no, way. no this way. is no way. He is only going to learn from this, and I think that the the best thing to learn is that there's only so much you can do against those players, mm-hmm. and there's only so much defense you can play. You can only play defense so well. I mean, even Dre and Braxton were having trouble staying in front of them too. Mm-hmm. Like Braxton got knocked over yeah and deandre is certainly letting his fair share of goals uh i just noticed it from ty because it was a little bit more obvious uh when he was going up against especially rj barrett and yeah Zion. yeah i mean i don't know many players in the country that can keep up with no those I, kind of guys, I, I but yeah and i'm not saying was, yeah. i'm not saying that he should have been one of them yeah no it's true i mean you think about the great defenders on this team like Jack Salt is kind of like a unique type of defender, but like mm-hmm. the type of defenders we have that can go against the Duke players are really, you know, DeAndre Hunter and Braxton mm-hmm. Key, who are, you know, your prototypical wings. You, you would have like, thought that I would have thought that Mamadi would have had a better game, but he Mamadi just wasn't struggled. feeling it. He had four fouls. You know, he yeah, he struggled. But but yeah, but I mean, and Ty is gonna have game. He's gonna have to guard people. He he is one of the best defenders on the team, and I think it's because of his communication. Mm-hmm. I think it is because of how he how he moves. Uh, he's really smart about where he goes and where he moves. He doesn't get lost very often. He stays on his feet. He doesn't uh, bite very often mm-hmm. for for fakes or anything. And so it was it, it was obvious. It was more obvious to me because he's usually so solid. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't as solid last night. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we need to go no. over that anymore. No. But it, that was an observation, yeah. for sure. So I don't know really if you want to take this anywhere else, but it was a great game. You know, it, it's frustrating. Obviously, you want to win. And obviously, I can tell you about 
you know, 18 hours ago, I was way more angry than I mm-hmm. am now. Yeah. But that's just kind of how it goes. Like looking back on that, now that I've had time like to decompress, like it doesn't matter that much. You know, we lost to the number one team in the country on the road. It's like, this is not a season changing win or loss or anything there. Like it was just a great college basketball game. And like, that's why you play 30 games in a season. And it was great for the sport. It was great for the programs to get this type of matchup in January. The The only thing it might hurt us with is the seeding for a potential NCAA tournament berth, mm-hmm. you know? And the one thing that Rob and I, you know, we've, we've mentioned this before, but the, the East Regional is in D.C. this year. And that would be huge if UVA could get that East Regional because there's a lot of UVA fans here. It's close to Charlottesville. Uh, it would be a really, really important thing to get that. Mm-hmm. And if we don't, we we might get sent, you know, to the Midwest, to the South, even out West, maybe. So, mm-hmm. you know, who knows what's going to happen? But and especially when the committee looks at it, they might take head to head pretty seriously. Yeah. Um. I'm. I'm yeah. I would just say we're going to have chances again, mm-hmm. though. Like this is not like it's. It's one strike out of we. We don't know how many. We, we might have, have two more chances at exactly. We got, we got the exactly. ACC tournament at least too. one more. Yeah, potentially two. Potentially two. I want a part three. Yeah, it'd be fun. <laughs> Do I want a part three? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> if you could guarantee an ACC championship win, I then I probably Rob, wouldn't I can't take guarantee it. anything. But no, I mean this is, is this is just great basketball. Like yeah. everyone who I've talked to, like whether they're diehard UVA fans or like people who kind of just more casually follow it just keeps telling me like man like what a great game Mm -hmm. and like it's frustrating because in the moment you know this is game uva could have won but it's also you look at it from the duke side and there were things duke didn't do too well you know like duke shot 18 of 31 from free throws they're not a great three-point shooting team either but they shot two of 14 from three you know like there's things that each team could have done that would have helped them tremendously part two is gonna be fun it's yeah it's just it's great and you know we're spoiled to be able to play in the ACC and mm-hmm. win a lot of games in the ACC. Yeah. But like this is this is the best bas- best college basketball in America. Can we talk about something a little bit happier? Sure. Like that tech win? I mean, if you want to go ta- for can it. Can we man. talk about it for just a couple minutes because <laughs> I think it's important to mention because that was a top 10 win that we won by 20 points. And it was at home and they don't have Chris Clark who is uh probably their best defender. But we played extremely well against a very talented Virginia Tech team. And unfortunately, I think all of our shooting luck happened during that game. It was a little bit taken away during Duke. But, you know, DeAndre Hunter had 21 points. Kyle had 15. Ty had 14. We shot 54% from three. We made 18 of 29 shots. Mm-hmm. And we, we played incredible. We played really good defense. Uh, their leading scorer was Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who's going to be a lottery pick at some point. Yeah, he's good. Um, Ahmed Hill, uh, one of their best three-point shooters, uh, was two of six. And we did a really good job of running them off the three-point line, and we did a really good job of containing their really good players like Justin Robinson, who only had nine points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that game, it was funny. I was texting Dustin uh, 
I got pulled into one of my boss's offices. I was in the office at like 7.45. The game tipped off at 8. And I thought mm-hmm. it was just going to be like a quick like five-minute pop-in. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, it turned into like a 45-minute meeting. And I'm like <laughs> sitting there like rubbing my legs, like hands in, like in my uh-huh. head in my hand, whatever you want to call it, just like waiting. I finally get out of there at like 8.30. Mm-hmm. And then I look at the score. And I'm like, oh, like, we're doing all right. We were much. up by like 10. Yeah. And so I guess that made it a little better. Yeah. But um. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a good win, and you know what? We're four and one against ranked teams now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, it was obviously a great win. It was great to beat Virginia Tech after they kind of spoiled our game day last yeah. year. Uh, but you know, it was a good win, and I think we're going to see more games like that with this UVA team than we are, you know, where we mm-hmm. struggle here and there against a team like Duke. Yeah, yeah, and I agree. And it was fun to watch, and it was great to see this team really take it to heart. And I think they did take that loss last year a little bit to heart. You saw Ty um, make a three early in the first half and kind of say something to the Virginia Tech bench. And Buzz kind of, like, you know, looked at him down the court. But, you know, it was a fun game. And Kihei uh, drawing the technical. Yeah, yeah, Justin Robinson uh, punched Kihei with the ball. So (laughs) that was fun. He actually didn't play after he did that. Yeah, Buzz sat him. For, yeah, Buzz sat him for the rest of the game. I, I respect Buzz. I'm I like Buzz lie. a lot. I think Buzz is doing obviously doing great things for the program. Yeah, I respect him too. He's, he's doing really, really well at Tech, and I, I'm glad that we have someone else in state who is really good that we are going to play twice every year. Mm-hmm. And it's just good. It's good for both programs, really. Um, it, do you want to add anything else for that? But I, I wanted to mention it just because it was a. It was top, a top, it was ten, a top win. ten win, <laughs> and we, we all we're talking about is how we lost to Duke by two points. And I think that hopefully uh, this week uh, rankings don't matter, but <laughs> if they did matter, uh, my guess is that we're probably going to move up one, even though we lost to Duke. Yeah, I mean there there were some great the kind of like top five, top ten matchups mm-hmm. this weekend, and Tennessee. Mike, I'm with you. Dustin and I talked about this before we recorded. Our thoughts are that. Tennessee moves up to one, Duke slides to two, and UVA bumps up to three. Duke did beat the number four team in the country, but they also lost to a uh, off and on Syracuse team, yeah. which is kind of sketchy at home. Yeah, and Tennessee struggled, although against Alabama, mm-hmm. although they did end up coming away with the win. There was a wonky travel call yeah, at the end. Might on or Alabama. might not have been. Uh, I wouldn't have called it at least. I wouldn't. <laughs> Me as a ref yeah. would not have called that foul or that travel. But and then Michigan lost to Wisconsin uh-huh, too, which is good. Also great for us because it makes we, our whiskey. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. <laughs> Wiskin. Wiskin. My, our thoughts. We agreed on the top three. It's probably going to be well. We we'll never see. know. We'll but, find out tomorrow. But it, it it might be Tennessee, Duke, UVA, and then the next three are going to be a combination of Gonzaga, Michigan State, and Michigan. And we are really unsure of what that's going to look like, just because of you know what voters are going to do. But I'm my guess it's going to be Gonzaga, Michigan State, Michigan. Yeah, I I could easily see that. Yeah. You know? It, you know, again, it's as John Rothstein would say, this is only January. This is only January. So, <laughs> and we're really already matter. having games like this. This is a final four caliber game. Zion uh, Williamson, more machine than man. More machine than man. He, actually, it was funny last night. He, I noticed on Twitter that he tweeted that twice. Yeah, he, he said, the, the Duke team is more machine than man. And, and then, then he said, Zion. Zion is more machine than man. So I thought that was really funny. Uh, we love Rothstein. And uh, we, I will continue to 
keep up with his sayings. I feel like he comes up with a new one every week. I see a new one all the time, so I always try and retweet the ones that are new. I feel like there me. should be like a Family Guy episode of like in the lab with John <laughs> Rostein, like trying to come up with his catchphrase. I don't phrases. think he's he's not that mainstream. He's just for college basketball junkies. I know. He's not even like ESP. <laughs> I think he's CBS. He's CBS. Like yeah. it's not even like that mainstream as far as college basketball goes. Right. He just has this goofy Twitter profile that is you know everything we can hope for yeah exactly (laughs) but i think that's all that we have for basketball big week we played two top 10 teams and we've got some games next week too uh we play wake forest on tuesday and then we play notre dame at notre dame on saturday so it'll be another good week um hopefully two more wins uh wake forest and notre dame are both bad this season so Mm -hmm. Uh, it might be a good way to get Jay involved a little bit more, get Kihei back on track, Braxton more involved. So we'll see how it goes, and uh, we'll keep you updated on that. But, Rob, is there anything else you want to mention for uh, basketball? Uh, not on basketball, no. Okay. I think that— uh, You, you want to move on to football? More yeah. football talk? Yeah, I think I think we should talk some football I think we bit. should. I think we have to because the schedule was released uh, on Wednesday at 2 p.m., and it is very interesting, and Rob and I have written down some thoughts on it. Rob, what what's kind of the first thing you saw on the schedule that you you liked or that you noticed? There's a lot of things I like about the schedule, honestly. Um, but one thing that's kind of different is that normally the past couple of years our schedules have been so backloaded. Mm-hmm. You know, we start. You know, I guess it was two years ago we start off. I think it was what like six and one mm-hmm. or five and one, and then yeah. this year we started off like five and two. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I still expect. I think this should be an eight or nine win team UVA, eight or nine win UVA team next year. Uh, but it's a different layout. You know, you got games up front that matter, you know, with the mm-hmm. new ACC network starting, like they're putting a lot of ACC games up front. You know, we're going to play at Pittsburgh to open the season. It's going to be the first time since 2003 mm-hmm. we play an ACC opponent in yeah. our opening game of the season. And then we play Florida State two weeks later. And that's at home, and Florida State was five and seven last year. But mm. if you're telling me they're not going to be improved, I'm I'm going to be pretty skeptical. Florida State, I think, is going to be a very good team. And so, really, you know, you look at our first three weeks of the season. We play at Pittsburgh, home against William and Mary, uh, which is a Friday game. I wish it wasn't a Friday game mm-hmm. for the home opener. But our first three games are Pittsburgh, William and Mary, and Florida State. And those are three games where we should beat William and Mary. And Pittsburgh, you know, we're 0-4 against Pittsburgh since, or what, we've lost three in a row against Pittsburgh? We beat them once. Yeah, we beat them in 2014. We've Mm -hmm. lost a couple in a row against Pittsburgh, nonetheless. Yeah. They're losing a lot of guys. They're losing four out of their five offensive line starters. They're losing their two top running backs, which, you know, if you watched any of Pittsburgh last year, you know, that was their identity. That was the strength of their team. So that's a team that we should be able to at least compete against and potentially win. Florida State's the team that we will match up and we'll just see how it goes. But, you know, two of your first three games are ACC games. Like, Mm -hmm. it's going to set the tone for the season very early on. I like it because one thing I noticed about the schedule is that we've got... Actually, you want to just, like, run through the schedule and then we can put some thoughts out? Yeah, sure. Okay. So we start playing at Pittsburgh, then we're home against William & Mary, home against Florida State, home against ODU, at Notre Dame, then we have a bye week. We play at Miami on a Friday, home against Duke, at Louisville, at UNC, at Georgia Tech. Then we have a bye, and then we close the season, home against Liberty, and home against Virginia Tech. 
Yeah, and one thing I really like about the schedule, one, the two buys, mm-hmm. which is great, and one of them comes right be- right after Notre Dame, right before Miami. Yep. It's right in the middle of the season, too, so that's kind of when injuries start to come, mm-hmm. and hopefully we can get some guys healthy then. And our, our second buy comes after Georgia Tech, which you, you would be doing triple option stuff, but now we're Thankfully not. not. Thankfully not. Welcome our, to the ACC, Jeff Collins. Our knees are going to be... Uh, intact this year but we have it uh before liberty which is great because we need to tune up before liberty i'm joking uh we it's before <laughs> they have you freeze questionable all, <laughs> man but a good football coach it's also before uh virginia tech as well so yeah. that'll be really big and one thing that i really like is we kind of especially in the first half of the season we've got either a buy or a buy game against all of our important opponents you yep. know we start at pittsburgh we then we have william mary at home and we play Florida State at home, so we can kind of have a week to prepare for Florida State really well. William Mary's on a Friday, too, so there'll be an extra day. Extra day. Uh, then we get ODU, mm-hmm. right, which is, an, you know, they're not a bad team, but we should beat them before we go to Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. So that's also really important, so we can have time to prepare for them. Then we have a bye before Miami, which is our first um, away, oh, no, no, sorry, but like, but big game. But big game. it's a big It'll game. It'll be a night game. Probably it's, it's a Friday too, and it's right before uh, we start our you know our ACC slate, uh, which is really In earnest, important. Yeah, or the, like the main yeah, ACC exactly. part. I can't say the ACC slate now because it's all all over the place. But like the main the main ACC portion of the schedule. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. You know, win Mary before Florida State, ODU before Notre Dame, bye before Miami. And then a buy and liberty before Virginia Tech. And yeah. one thing I looked at is Virginia Tech, the past three years, the teams we've played before, the week before we played Virginia Tech. Last year it was away at Georgia Tech. The year before it was away at Miami. And then two years, not that 2016 really matters. We were two mm-hmm. and 10, but we played away at Georgia Tech yeah. uh, before playing Virginia Tech. So now, now that you play home against Liberty, you know, the week before you play home, home against, against Virginia Tech. Tech. I think that matters. Yeah. And Virginia Tech, the week before, they play uh, at home against Pittsburgh. So, Great. you know, I don't know Pitt, I don't know what Pitt's going to be like next year. I, you know, I didn't think they were going to be great this year, but they're going to have a lot to replace next year, no and, doubt. And we're not going to do like a win-loss section yet because the teams are still so up in the air and the draft hasn't happened yet and, you know, spring hasn't happened yet. So we're going to wait to do that till... Probably over the summer, I would say, mm-hmm. um, or at least until we have a better understanding of what this team is actually going to look like and what other teams are going to look like. But just overall, I really like the look of the schedule. We have three Friday games, which is cool, mm-hmm. um, and two of them are at home, so that'll I, be fun. I do like. I don't like home or yeah, the Friday against William and Mary. Like that, that one should just be a weird. Saturday. I that, feel like it's kind of weird. But I, I'm starting to grow into this Friday Virginia Tech thing yeah i'm starting to like that i like it because it's uh you know it puts us in the spotlight Mm -hmm. Uh, it's right after thanksgiving so it's a it's a fun way to spend time with family and uh ignore other family that you might not (laughs) like and then uh i i enjoy i I think the miami uh the friday at miami is gonna be fun too you know at the u Mm -hmm. uh, is always a fun time and even though they they're going through a lot of weird stuff right now um, with you know Rick retiring and yeah all that, but and the quarterback controversy is kind of strange. Yeah, but other than that, I think you know it should be a fun time. And then I guess a couple other things to point out: we do have an interesting stretch. We have a stretch between uh, September twenty eighth and November second, where four of our five games are on the road, which mm-hmm. is kind of weird. We normally home a lot, yeah, and 
October, and we only have one home October game, which mm-hmm. is against Duke. Which, as a fan, I kind of like the home October games just because, like, it's that's nice. Like, out. Yeah, it's yeah, that, like it's that's great. that beautiful fall Charlottesville weather. Yeah, the, that we're so used to. The November football is sometimes so cold. Yeah, and always that Virginia Tech game. I feel like yeah. it's always and the freezing. field is ugly at that point. Yeah. The grass is dying. It's not yeah. green. But our final three games are at home. Uh, you know, November 9th against Georgia Tech, November 23rd against Liberty, and November 29th against Virginia Tech. So that's different. You know, this year, our final two games were on the road at Georgia mm-hmm. Tech and at Virginia Tech. So we'll see what type of edge we can have there playing at home. Mm-hmm. Another interesting thing is just there's a lot of new coaches for the teams we're playing. You know, six of our 12 games, six of those teams are going to have uh new head coaches and that's incredible yeah it really is and like we're gonna go through a stretch you know william and mary hired mike london which i think is a good fit i think that's a good cultural fit for that team so you know props to you mike london he was a cop i had no idea (laughs) uh but no mike london will play we'll play against mike london hopefully beat mike london um in charlottesville so that'll be great that'll be that'll be Will it be a nice homecoming? I don't know. I don't know. He's a good guy, and I feel bad ragging. Like on I think, him, I think I would, I think I would clap for him if I, if once he was announced or something. I don't know. I think I would probably. He's a, he's a good guy. He's a like, good guy. He's a good guy. But I don't know. Not a great. He's stuck around way too long. He did. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, so we play Mike London, but then we go through a stretch where we play uh four games in a row and five of six games kind of in that mid-october stretch against teams with new coaches so you play uh against miami on october 11th they have manny diaz as their new coach duke has david cutcliffe in the next week so they're the same but then at louisville at unc versus georgia tech and versus liberty is four straight games with four new head coaches louisville coming off a two and ten season they hire Scott Satterfield. UNC coming off a two and nine season hires Mac Brown, which is one of the more intriguing storylines. Mm-hmm. How Mac Brown's going to do? Uh, Georgia Tech comes in and hires Jeff Collins. That's going to be interesting. You know, he was Who successful. He was the Temple head coach. <laughs> okay, he's a good coach, I think. But it's going to be interesting because you talk about a personnel like you have the personnel for the triple option, and it's not like this is a new phenomenon. Yeah. They've been running that for eight years, right? And then now they're going to try to change offenses. So. I don't know what type of quarterback talent, as far as passing talent, they have on that team. What type of wide receiver talent they have? Yeah, I feel like it's going to be, be a ton of turnover for that transition team. period for sure. Yeah, and then Liberty brings in Hugh Freeze. You know, hopefully it's one of those things where it doesn't make a ton of difference. That at the end of the day, you know, ACC Power Five level talent just will beat Liberty talent. Hugh Freeze for his questionable antics and ethics and everything you want to say about him. I think is a good football coach. Mm-hmm. You know, he's been very successful, but you know, it's it's not the type of guy I want UVA to hire. Right. <laughs> um, no, but we didn't. He's hire him. yeah, Thank he's God. a good he's a good coach. But so I mean, it's interesting. You know, that core stretch. You know, like when I think of football season, I think of October, and we're gonna have four straight games and five of six games in that core October stretch where we're playing teams with new looks, new coaches. So I, it's gonna be interesting. It's a different ACC this year. I wonder if there's like any other team in the country that plays as many new head coaches as we do i feel like this is really unusual to play this many have this much coaching turnover mm-hmm. for some team schedule yeah i feel like it's just really strange and really interesting too yeah it's, it's weird i mean going back to it what i really like about this schedule is besides i wish we had games in november and october home games in october but 
really like every big game we have, like you said, we have like a bye or a not as physical opponent the week before. And then having three games at home to end the season, I think matters. That said, I think it also matters that we take care of business early. You know, mm-hmm. if we start the season out, you know, one and two. We could easily start one and we two. We could easily start one and two, or, oh or and two one, in the ACC. Or, or one and three, too. Or, sorry, two and two and three. Yeah, and Notre Dame is, Notre Dame's the only team that I look at on the schedule and kind of expect to lose. Mm-hmm. You know, Notre Dame is not unbeatable by any stretch. Pittsburgh played them really close in South Bend last year. You know, it's going to be on the road at South Bend. Uh, Notre Dame obviously didn't have the greatest playoff performance, but they did finish number five in the AP poll and beat Mm -hmm. some good teams. They did beat some good teams this year. So Notre Dame is interesting. It's weird since they play like a six game ACC schedule, but they're technically a non-conference game. But then every team in the ACC has to play them like at some point. It's It's weird how the relationship is. It's like once every four years. Yeah, I think they play a six game ACC schedule. So like it's technically a non-conference game, even though. It's kind of like set for us that once every so years we're gonna have to play them. Yeah, it's cool though because Notre Dame is always a big, you know, big profile game. Even if they're not as good, mm-hmm. um, they should be still really good next year. I think they should. I mean, they're they, they're on a roll kind of with with their personnel and their coaching staff, and so they should they should be good next year. We gave them a great game a few years ago that we should have won, mm-hmm. and then and I don't want to. I'm excited. About it. <laughs> I'm excited to play in South Bend. I think that'll be really cool. It's like one of those atmospheres. Like when we played in the yeah. Rose Bowl, that was cool. Like when we played at the Coliseum against USC, that mm-hmm. was cool. Like now would be cool to kind of play. Yeah, what, you know, in what, South actually, Bend. one of my um, fiance's friends in med school uh, went to Notre Dame, yeah. and he said that he'll take me hey. next year. So hopefully, I got an in, but we'll, <laughs> that's a year away. So we'll have to see if if that's uh, still up for the taking. But I, I I might go to that. Just heads up. Yeah. All right. Well, one other random thing is they announced that. Uh, April 27th will be the spring game. I would imagine that's Fox Field weekend. That's traditionally how it's been because Bronco doesn't like yeah. his players going to Fox Field. Yeah. But it's interesting that they announced that they announced it as a spring game and it's on the mm-hmm. schedule. You know, the past three years with Bronco Mendenhall, we've had kind of like a spring practice. Yeah. Where it's like, we don't, he, it's interesting. He's so like weird in the way he motivates people or whatever, mm-hmm. but he's like, yeah, like, we don't have the depth. We're not at a point where we can have a spring game. So we'll have a spring practice, which kind of takes all the fun away because it's not like the players have numbers at that mm-hmm. point either. So you're, I never saw it because there was Foxfield. <laughs> but yeah. if you wanted to see it, you would go and see a practice where you're not able to identify most of the players on the field because they don't have numbers. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it'll be this year. I don't know if they'll give numbers or what, how that'll work for the spring game. But the fact that there could be a spring game is kind of cool. Yeah. So I hope I hope there's a spring game. And I get why Bronco doesn't, you know, why he overlaps it with Foxfield. But mm-hmm. like, man, like, I don't know. I don't know if that's how it is this year. I haven't seen the dates. But yeah. it'd be great if it wasn't on Foxfield. Yeah, weekend. and I don't know if I'll go back for that just because, you know, it's a spring game and I'll read about it. I'm not going to miss much anyway. Yeah. But... You know, it should be fun, and we'll we'll learn a lot more about the team after that as well. So mm-hmm. it'll be good to see like where the team's at and who's playing a lot and who's playing well. Yeah. So it it'll be good. No, it's it's a good football week too. Yeah. You know, obviously, could have beat Duke in basketball. You could have mm-hmm. beat Duke, but you beat Virginia Tech. You get a good schedule, a manageable schedule. Like, I, just looking at this now, I think there should be eight or nine wins on this schedule. Yeah. I think I, seven I totally is the floor. I think seven is the floor. Yeah. So. We'll find out, man. We'll find out. Yeah, that's why you play the games. Yep. Um, but I think that's all we're going to talk about for football and basketball. Rob, unless you have anything else. 
think and we hit it. I think we just dive right into giving shout outs. Yeah. Or let's yells. Do it. All right. So Rick Patino gets the yell of the week. He tweeted uh, just about an hour ago at about two o'clock on Sunday. And I quote, Virginia will make the final four. Good chance they will play Duke four times this year. So, yeah, Rick Pitino is still scared of UVA. Rick Pitino is great on Twitter. You know, we're all loyal Petuitos over here at the Guys and Ties. We are. So, Slick Rick back at Can it. you imagine Duke, Virginia four times? I would die. I, think, I, I, I mean, if you saw me last night, I was out of losing my mind. I was yelling. I was standing. I was sitting. Yeah. It was all the emotions and all the positions. Um. I can't imagine doing that three more times this year. Yeah, I, I don't know. Rick Pitino is kind of crazy. We'll definitely do it but... at least one more time when Duke plays the Charlottesville. But we got the yeah. ACC tournament. And then also uh, Rick is predicting the future and saying that we're going to play them in the national championship too. So yeah, I, yeah we'll Virginia, we'll see. We'll see. But great. Thank you, Mr. Pitino. Yeah. Hey, always a pleasure to hear from you over from Lithuania. Yeah. Um, and my yell goes out to former UVA star and former national champion Daniel Collins. Uh, women's tennis and she is playing in the Australian Open right now and recently just demolished the world number two and is into the quarterfinals uh, she is a kind of this unknown star in the tennis world but she's the first uh, former NCAA uh, player to reach the quarterfinals uh, in like a long time it's either forever or a very long time um, I forget which one it was but she's killing it uh, which is great. It's always great to see former Wahoos doing really well. And I think that's it for us this week. Uh, so go ahead and give us a follow on Twitter at Guys and Ties Pod. Follow us on Instagram and Snapchat at Guys and Ties Pod. Rob, how's the Instagram going? The Instagram's great. You know, yeah. I was talking to someone, uh, went out last night, and I was talking to someone who told me they followed us on Instagram. Nice. And I was like, great. One person. That's, that's terrific. <laughs> we have 70 something. <laughs> nice. Nice. Well, we- <laughs> Not quite the Twitter following. Let's, but. let's boost it up. But anyway, <laughs> uh, follow us there. Follow us on uh, Podbean and iTunes if you want to hear more of Rob and I on the Guys and Ties podcast. And we will see you next weekend. Beat Wake and Deep Beat Notre, Notre Dame. But just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.